Goman means sorry in Japanese, everybody. And it means go men. In English, it means uh, go men. This is a men's rights podcast. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the TMI, That's My Interest podcast. I'm Megan. I'm an English teacher in Japan. And I am Rebecca. I'm a data analyst in Northern California. And together, we tell you all the TMI, all of our interests, (laughs) meaning that every week, We take a turn choosing some random topic that the other person doesn't know about yet, and we talk about it. And today is Rebecca's turn. Woo! Woo! But I and you... Actually, that's not true. You already know the topic because you clicked on the episode, and it was the episode name. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But before we reveal the topic to me, we are going to go to Structured Chit Chat. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, oh, first thing I wanted to say is that we keep talking about The Bachelor at the beginning of these, <laughs> and, um, I finally got dragged into The Bachelor talk by myself, because I was on <laughs> Facebook, and somebody mentioned something about it, so I googled it and saw, so the season ended, right? The season ended last week. And to catch up the conversation we had been having, there was the winner who we kind of knew before because there's somebody who always spoils it yes um had sorry back up further the current bachelor is black man the first black bachelor the woman who he chooses ends up having a racist past by going to some uh like plantation themed sorority events Mm -hmm. and then the host of the show like takes her side and then he ends up not becoming being the host anymore. And then what I found out is that the couple, the black man and the yes. <laughs> racist woman, uh, lasted like a month or something. Yes. <laughs> and so they broke up very quickly. <laughs> yes. And to be fair, that's not an uncommon thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. For uh, bachelor couples to not make it uh, for very long. But didn't make it due to the yeah. racism scandal and that was the like the heart of the issue and that's what they talked about in the after the final rose special mm. which is the special they do every year um after the series or the the season has aired but megan what are you watching i'm watching the bachelor what are you watching what am i watching I just watched the last season of Modern Family because they added it to Japanese Netflix. I enjoyed that show. It's very funny. I'm a big sitcom fan. Have you ever watched Modern Family? No. Do you recommend it? I do recommend it. It is very funny. So do you know Mm. much about it? I know that there are a lot of uh, unconventional relationships. You know, they there are kind of, but like I do feel like that itself is kind of overblown because they're like not that unconventional. They're, but I I think that it I guess if you compare it to sort of normal or not normal like historically, uh, sitcom families were very like they had a certain type, and in this mm. one you have 
three couples. They're all related. So you have, like, there's one couple, it's a man and a woman, and they have three kids. They would be probably the most normal of the, be the most normal, quote unquote, of the Mm. families. The wife's father marries a woman who's, like, 20 years younger than him, uh, and she's from Colombia, and Mm. she brings her son, who's, like, 10 years old, in, and so they're, I guess unconventional because it's like an older man and a younger woman um and then mm-hmm. the wife of the first family her brother who is the son of you know the old man is a gay man and they're a gay couple and mm. they adopt a daughter who is uh from vietnam mm. and so there is some diversity but i it's mm. still very white honestly mm. like it's still very white and like it's a gay man couple you know which is like mm-hmm. i sometimes easier for people i don't know if that's even this i don't think actually being actually that's not true i think uh women couples are easier for people to digest but it, there's just something about for some reason because like for example will and grace had gay men and there's just something mm-hmm. about men i guess because they have the like societal mm-hmm. power that it's easier to have them on the tv show and i do find that the well, I really like the gay couple. Some of the stuff they do is a bit too stereotypical. They make a lot of jokes mm-hmm. about lesbians that I don't find funny. There's also mm. like no mention of bisexuality again. So it is a it's a nice thing to watch. Um, I do like it, and I would recommend it. I find it funny, but I don't want its like diversity to be overblown. I think that mm. it is a good start, but we could do more. Um, yeah, I mean, if like a show's diversity is, we have an older man and a younger woman, like. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I do, yeah. it's 2021. Yeah. I, I don't know when this show originally aired. It, but. You, know, it, you know, it's about 10 years old. So I guess it did come out in 2011. So I don't know. Maybe that was more mm. revolutionary in 2011. Or quote <laughs> 10. But it is. And it's a good show. And I do love the characters. Um, and one thing I do like the... So, you know, the, the younger wife is f- mm. from Colombia. And, like, she speaks with... I mean, she speaks with an overblown accent, and I, I mean, I, I'm not the person to, I guess, comment on this, so I don't know if her, her, like, character is too, like, stereotypical. Mm, like, um, exaggerated. Yeah, they might do that, but I do think she is a very, like, she is shown not in a bad light, and there's, like, this mm. one episode where she talks about, like, um, that they're, like, making fun of her for her, like, because she's always getting words wrong, and she's, like, she says something, like, do you know, or... I need my, I don't know, she says the wrong word, and they're like, do you mean blah, blah, blah? She's like, I know what I mean. You don't know how smart I am in Spanish. And, like, she's, like, bilingual. Like, why would they be, like, it's really dumb to make fun of someone that's speaking, that speaks another language that you don't know, but they speak your language, like, Mm -hmm. they mess up a little bit. And so I, like, kind of, like, stuff, little stuff like that is kind of nice. I can so relate to that (laughs) feeling when living in Japan. (laughs) Exactly. I know, that's, I, I relate to it, yes. Like, you have no idea how smart I am in English. <laughs> right. But another show that I don't think is on Netflix that I would recommend that's a sitcom is uh, Fresh Off the Boat. Have you hmm. ever seen that one? No, I've never even heard of that. It is about a Chinese-American family in the 90s. And uh, it is hilarious. It hmm. shows a nice perspective of, like, a Chinese-American uh, family. All the actors are amazing. Um, I love it. And this is a Netflix original? No, it's. I said I don't think it's on Netflix. Oh, okay. It was on, like, TV. I don't know if it's still running. Um, did you ever see Everybody Hates Chris? I've heard of it. 
I've just seen a lot of sitcoms. Okay. Anyway, the style of uh, Fresh <laughs> Off the Boat is kind of similar because then everybody hates Chris, which is supposed to be about Chris Rock. He, like, narrates it. Like, Chris Rock actually narrates it. Yeah. Um, and then it's, like, showing him as a kid. And in this one, they have someone narrating. Um, and then they show, like, he. it's, like, the kid grown up is narrating it. Mm. Um, yeah. So, anyway. And final recommendation. This one is on American Netflix. It's called Kim's Convenience. Hmm. It's a Canadian. It's a Canadian it's show. A Canadian. <laughs> it's a Canadian show about a Korean family that owns a convenience store, and it is hilarious and heartwarming, and I just love it, and it just cracks me up all the time. I, I recommend it. Oh so. well, I was going to ask when you said you are the queen of sitcoms. <laughs> Have you ever seen Seinfeld? I've seen a... I do like Seinfeld. Yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. It's not my favorite. I haven't seen all the episodes, but I mm. thought it was a quality show. It's got some funny moments. Are, were you a big Seinfeld fan? I've never seen it, but I feel like I would like it. So yeah. I feel like that's something... I wish that were available on Netflix or something. Yeah. I would give that a shot. Because I loved Friends. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that we're both big Friends heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like I would like Seinfeld. It's like parallel worlds <laughs> did you ever watch will and grace no okay i recently started watching it on mm. netflix and it did not age well mm. yeah i was gonna say i unless you were about to sell me on it like i don't really have any interest <laughs> because yeah just the concept doesn't age well i don't think well, what do you mean the concept i mean i will say so I've seen clips of that show and the clips that I can recall are like a very exaggerated portrayal of a gay man. Yeah, that's, I think that's true. I did watch a couple episodes and I could find it kind of funny, but just, it was too stereotypical. But like, mm -hmm. again, it was like 2000 or in not, late nineties. I can't remember exactly when it came out. And um, I guess at that time that was like a big deal. But then again, like on Friends, which Friends is like the le one of the the like absolute least diverse mm -hmm. sitcom. It's New York, which is one of the most racially diverse cities, and it's about six white people who are yeah who are all straight. I would argue that two of them are actually bi. <laughs> who? But which characters? I think I think Phoebe is bi. I'm on board for that. And. I, I think I just want Chandler to be bi. Because, like, he just... Uh, I, he protests a lot about, like, people thinking he's gay. And that has a little bit to do with the fact that his... his um I'm going to say his mother, because technically I think it was a trans woman. But who was... He calls mm -hmm. his father was at first, you know, seemed like a gay man. And then I would argue she was a trans woman. I think he had some, like, trauma about that because society mm -hmm. wasn't ready for that. But I just think Chandler's bi, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I like that. I'm on board for that. I definitely think Phoebe being bi, that's so tracks with her character. Yeah, it does. And then there's like that episode, this is just a small thing where it's like the, <laughs> the hot cousin. It's like um, Ross's cousin comes and she's like really hot. Do you remember that? Vaguely. And Ross is like, she's so hot. He's like, I don't want, it's really creepy. Oh, whatever. yeah, 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 yeah. And then Phoebe, like, sees her and they do the same, like, like attractive montage thing of her where, like, you know, her wind's, like, her hair, sorry, like, her hair is blowing in the wind that when Ross mm -hmm. saw her. And then Phoebe's like, well, she's not my cousin. It doesn't matter if it's, and she's like, yeah. Uh... Phoebe's just like, well, she's not my cousin. Why do I think it's weird? Oh, my God. Okay. I, I need to rewatch 
friends or at least like certain seasons because I only watched it I I never watched it I don't think all did I watch all the way through I think I did actually end up watching one go what I'm trying to say is I've seen every season every episode I didn't watch it all the way through in one go I I watched seasons like one through how many seasons are there like okay so I watched like seasons one through seven like consecutively like over the course of a few months and then uh, I think the Mm. last few seasons I kind of like came in and out because I didn't think they're as good yeah uh they're not as good they hold up enough for me they're not as good but actually the whole point of that rant I went on is I was gonna say that actually friends in early 2000s uh, I guess late 90s, actually having a lesbian couple. They weren't even the main characters, but like lesbians. And then they had a lesbian wedding. That was a big deal, which is really weird because when you watch that now, it is not inclusive. They make way too many like jokes, but like that it's was a big deal. Ross not being man enough. Yes. And that's, yeah. Yeah. So like that was super problematic, but at the time it was a, a big deal for its time. It was a uh, kind of risky that they did that. that. Yeah, so that's all. That's some pod, not podcast. That's some sitcoms I recommend. Maybe one day I'll do an episode on like some sitcoms. I would love that. I love sitcoms. I oh, love sitcoms so much. They're so good. Oh, now I just want to talk about sitcoms. Okay, last sitcom. Do you know All in the Family? No. All in the Family was from like the 1970s, and it's the sitcom. It's a classic. It is great. It like really pushed some like political boundaries like I watched an episode with my dad and there was this episode about like talking about like people getting sent to Vietnam and if that was good or bad because the main uh patriarch in the show is I forgot his name but he Archie Bunker and he's like super conservative and then his like son-in-law mm. is this hippie kind of guy and they mm. butt heads all the time and it usually the the, the tv show i think kind of leans more to the side of the hippie kind of guy but it's just really interesting how much stuff they talked about and it was like a big mm. deal at the time but everybody mm. watched it like my dad grew up watching this show it's a good historical sitcom i love all these recommendations and i'm sure the listeners appreciate them as well yeah oh and i did want to start I'm going to start a new segment, a like five second segment of a book recommendation, because I feel like I'm always reading books and we've recommended some books in the past. So I'm going to today, I have a book I want to recommend. Recommend it. All right. The book I want to recommend is a book I just read for my book club and it is called Interior Chinatown. I think in the current political climate of Asian Americans having a lot of violence against them and you know, mm-hmm. this past week we had the awful shooting in Atlanta that took mm-hmm. eight lives. I believe six of them were Asian women. Mm-hmm. And Interior Chinatown is a book written by, uh, I think, a Chinese-American who has worked in, sh- like, show business. And it's... I don't love the style of it because it's a little bit... Um, it's kind of, like, written kind of like a script and kind of like not. But I think that's that's, like, a point of the book. And I didn't love the style, but... I liked everything else about it, and I feel like I got more of an idea about, like, Asian-American perspective and what it could be like living as an Asian-American in the U.S., and I just think it's it would be a good book to read. Mm. No, that is a good recommendation, given everything that's going on. So now we're going to go to today's topic, right? Which, yes. in case, I feel like everyone may have realized by now, um... We did this different than in the first episode. 
So in the first episode, uh, Rebecca knew what my topic was, but since then we decided to not reveal the topics until the day of the recording because we like to have a real, live, genuine reaction. Yes. And so, but we like to tease each other about the hints, apparently. So Rebecca texted me earlier this week and said, today's topic is controversial and saucy. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? That sounds exciting. So uh, some of my predictions, I was like, is it about barbecue sauce? Is it about ketchup? Is it about the female orgasm? Oh my god. The controversial. No, I think the female orgasm is only controversial for straight men. Because they don't yes. know if it exists. But I'm tish. <laughs> Might have to edit that out. <laughs> DVD. Yeah, not not controversial for lesbians though. Not controversial for lesbians, but I would say the existence of the female orgasm is not controversial for yeah. straight men. Rather, the way they go about achieving it and whether or not it happens. <laughs> happens every time. No, if you're a straight man, just going to put this out there. If you're a straight man and your I hate girlfriend... You. I'm just God. kidding. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Ricky, this is a men's rights podcast. We went over this. We went I forgot. Over this. Uh. Listen, if you're a straight man and every time you have sex with a girlfriend, she has an orgasm... I mean, that is possible, but just check in with her because there is a very, there's a chance that she might be faking because she's worried about your ego. Or she just wants the sex to be over. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Becky coming in hard with the truth today. This, this is the controversial and saucy part of the podcast. Also, hi, mom. Okay. So on t- today's real topic, I'm excited take it from here the suspense the suspense don't clear your throat just just burp into the microphone i can't wait any longer it was not a burp i have allergies so i have to clear my throat today's topic as i texted megan may be a little bit controversial but i honestly think in the modern age it's relatively tame compared to what's out there my topic for today's podcast is playboy (laughs) all right okay interesting i see you did tell us about the um girls next door yes so it's kind of i guess i i hinted at my at a future topic during that episode without even knowing it i don't know that much about it i mean i guess i know the basics but i am interested to learn Right on. Okay. I am so like enthusiastic about this topic, but before I dive in, I wanted to ask you a few preliminary questions. What do you know about Playboy magazine? (laughs) Just like open. Or Playboy in general. It was started by Hugh Hefner. Correct. And he died recently. He died in 2017. And I don't know how old he was. He's pretty old, so that means... I don't know when he started it. Well, I'm pretty sure that 70s show has some Playboy magazines in it that could just be anachronistic, so I'm gonna say he started in the 60s or 70s. It was a magazine that showed... Showcased? Showcased? Showed women. I'm interested to know if they were always nude, if sometimes if they had to wear a bathing suit or, like, underwear at the beginning. 
And then now there's, like, video porn as well. There's, like, the Playboy channel. And there's a mansion. There is a Playboy mansion. But I wanted to ask, as a part of these preliminary questions as well, so you told me kind of, like, what you know about Playboy magazine, but what are your thoughts and or feelings on Playboy magazine? Uh, I feel like... They are mostly negative, I guess. When I think about Playboy, I don't feel super positive. I mean, I guess I'm not... I don't have a problem with sex work. and I don't have a problem with porn. I just guess I associate Playboy with, like, the, I guess, the objectification of women. I don't know. I'm really curious to see what it was like for women who worked for them. Uh, if it was done ethically or if they were treated poorly, that could change mm. my opinion. But whenever I hear mm. Playboy, I would say that generally I, I have a neutral to negative opinion. That's fair. And I think a lot of people share your feelings. Final question is, what do you know about Hugh Hefner and what are your thoughts and feelings on him? Well, I don't like him. I definitely feel like creepy <laughs> vibe from him. Yeah, that's all I got. That's fair. And I think a lot of people... <laughs> maybe even more so in this respect, share those feelings. So I guess I will begin telling you kind of top line about Playboy magazine. Playboy though, however, Playboy is not only the magazine, but it encompasses licensing, merchandising, like Playboy is not just the magazine, although that's how it began. But to give you a little information, Playboy magazine, is described as a men's lifestyle and entertainment magazine. <laughs> I just I read it for the articles. That's that's the joke. <laughs> that's the joke. That's the joke. And that was a part of something that was something I was going to mention. So fun fact, actually, this is a little side. The magazine is no longer in print. It's online only. Oh, that makes sense. Since yes. when? What year did that occur? Since last year. Um, really? COVID, that I think was kind of the the death knell of the print magazine supposedly i i've read many articles in preparation um and one of the articles stated that like the print magazine was just like bleeding money from the company yeah like, that makes sense yeah you know, they were making money in other respects but like the who, sub, like the readership was so who minimal. wants their like porn in the mail with articles like you can just go to google and find naked women for free and that is what has contributed to the company's like downward spiral, I guess you could say. The company currently makes more money from licensing than it does from the magazine, which I kind of already mentioned. The magazine was founded in Chicago in 1953, okay. so earlier than you expected, um, by Hugh Hefner, who is commonly known as Hef. Um, so I will be referring to him as Hef. When was he born? Do you have that? He, that is uh, within my... Hugh Hefner segment, but he was born in 1926. Yeah. So he was, I guess, then in 90s. his early 90s when he died? Maybe been he died. Yeah. Yeah. He, he died at 91. 91. Okay. Living the supposed dream. Living somebody's dream. But I hope it was his dream. I guess. Hopefully. So the founding of the magazine was. Funded in part by a $1,000 loan from Hef's mother. <laughs> Did she know? Did she know what he was doing? Yes. And the the point made by Hef is that uh, she did not support the the idea, but she supported Hef. I, I, respect I, that. I think that's pretty cool. That's that. pretty cool. And obviously, 
paid off. <laughs> yeah, she's probably like, well, well, she did. It worked out. But okay, so the magazine is known for its centerfolds of nude or semi-nude female models, which are referred to as playmates. Yeah. So each month has a playmate of the month, and at the end of each year, there is a playmate of the year. Famous playmates include Marilyn Monroe, who was the first playmate ever. Oh, really? Um, yes. That makes sense. She, so at the time, it wasn't called a playmate. They called it Sweetheart of the Month, which I hate. <laughs> so um, cute. My sweetheart. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and some other famous playmates, Pamela Anderson. Yeah. She has been on more Playboy covers than any other person she's been on 14 covers which is crazy jenny mccarthy was the playmate of the year in 1994 and anna nicole smith was playmate in 1993 so obviously there are many more like famous people but those are just a few why is playboy important well it played an important part in the sexual revolution which is described by wikipedia that is one of my sources (laughs) as a social movement in the 1960s to the 1980s which resulted in increased acceptance of sex outside of traditional heterosexual monogamous relationships, primarily marriage, the normalization of contraception and the pill, public nudity, pornography, premarital sex, homosexuality, masturbation, alternative forms of sexuality, and the legalization of abortion. So just kind of touching upon a lot of different aspects of sexuality. And a lot of the articles that I read in preparation for this just described how sterile i guess you could say like mainstream american culture particularly like midwestern middle america outside of the cities how very like linear and just by the books dating and sexual relationships and like sexual concepts and things like that were very much so people followed this progression in life where you know you graduated from school you got married you had kids and like people were very buttoned up and like not very there wasn't a lot of like deviation from that Hef's lifestyle the life that he led is something you know he himself imagined and certainly was not a part of what mainstream mainstream society like prescribed but to your joke uh, that you mentioned earlier there were articles, uh, it did right? there were articles it did feature short stories by some super famous novelists vladimir nabokov uh roald dahl margaret atwood mm. arafi murakami and oh. shell silverstein and Shel yeah <laughs> where the sidewalk ends you find a naked lady <laughs> apparently <laughs> huh. okay. but Many more um, were included as well. Did people, like, enjoy those? I mean, I guess they were if they were being printed. Yeah, I mean, the stereotype of Playboy is that people bought it and just, like, looked at the images of naked women and did what they wanted with them. And masturbated. And by people, we mostly probably mostly men. men. I mean, I'm sure sure Uh, some lesbians were like, yeah. We're, like, right on. But, um, yeah, I'm primarily referring to straight men. But yeah, like that's the stereotype is that like those guys would buy the magazine and like masturbate to the photos or whatever. But the uh, magazine did have, it had articles and and stories and and things of substance within it as well. 
It interviewed significant people such as Malcolm X, Frank Sinatra, hmm. and even Jimmy Carter were interviewed by the magazine. Jimmy Carter! I'm gonna do an episode <laughs> on Jimmy Carter. I forgot. I fucking love Jimmy Carter. Sorry. Oh my god. Well, then you're gonna have to feature his quote in Playboy magazine, which was, I've committed adultery in my heart many times. Oh my god, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Oh my god. I'm dead at that yeah he is something else but um so the I think so he's like Um, doesn't he's had like cancer for years Jimmy Carter keeps on going okay I think he might be the oldest living president ex-president I think so yeah. yeah okay so circulation of the magazine peaked in 1972 at 7.16 million copies number doesn't mean anything to me but it sounds big sounds big to give you a basis of comparison, I think the like most recent circulation numbers are not even in the millions. They're like, a bit. you 40. know, 500,000, 100,000. Yeah, there's it's a lot less. On the one other thing I wanted to say on the content other than the naked ladies was mm. um, there was a Friends episode, you remember, where one of them gets a joke published in Playboy and then they have an yes! argument. Yes! About... I read an article that <laughs> featured that. <laughs> yep, I remember that. It's very much so like love it or hate it. Playboy is absolutely like a yeah. cultural monument. Yeah, you yes, know? it is. It is. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of like a little top line information about the magazine, but in terms of like hard history. So the first issue was published in December 1953, and it featured a nude photo of Marilyn Monroe. However, this is a dark turn. So Marilyn Monroe was the first playmate of the month and she was the first nude photo to be featured. That photo was originally shot for a calendar and Marilyn Monroe only agreed to do this photo shoot because at the time she was um, in like a bit of a, a, a bind with money and she kind of did it out of desperation. And Hugh Hefner bought those photos and then published them without her consent and then never gave her any of the proceeds uh, that came from the magazine. That's so shitty. Yeah. Um, and she shot them before she was famous, too. Oh, damn. So if you open up the first picture you will see is the photo of Marilyn Monroe that was published in the first issue of Playboy. Is she going to be naked? Yep. Wow, that is so like artsy. Honestly, I know. Like, that's pretty good. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, like uh, Playboy. I think especially in like 2021 is more so than anything n- nude art or nude photography, more so than pornography. Have you ever seen the play? Have you ever seen the Playboy Channel though? No, I have not. I. You have. I, it was on our TV, whoever was paying for it. Um, I <laughs> know who it is. <laughs> um, and I accidentally came Unnamed across it. Person. And um, I've seen it, and it is straight up pornography. Okay. Um, it's not even like that softcore stuff that they put on, like, you know, the movie channels late at night. I don't remember it. Okay. Like, I didn't, like, I really didn't sit down and watch it, so I don't remember, like, I read I read the descriptions of like some of the shows and it was porn. No, I. It's a lot of women. I women, believe and then it. A dude shows up and yeah. 
Okay. So it's okay. That's good for me to know. I did read an article about like different eras of Playboy, the company, not just the magazine. And there was an era in time where like leadership in the company expanded the portfolio of offerings. And I did read something about them diving into like TV or video. So that makes sense. But I, I don't have any like information in my in my yeah. document about that. Okay. I mostly focus on the magazine. That makes sense. Uh, um, one thing I sorry I did want to do. So um, I feel like sometimes when we show pictures, we forget to describe them. Um, and we're not obviously we're not going to put this naked photo on our um, Instagram or something. Um, you could probably once you do Google maybe. it, you can like put little <laughs> can we, like put a little black hearts. bar or little <laughs> hearts on the on the boobs. But regardless, it doesn't show her vagina yeah it's kind of hard to show a vagina in like a nude photo you have to show like only the vagina that's true i'm gonna describe the photo you sent me because okay. sometimes people are driving or yes they can't look at photos so anyway it is a very artsy naked photo i would say uh we got marilyn mm-hmm. monroe she's like in front of uh, the background is just like a red kind of curtain drape kind of thing yeah. and she's kind of sitting with I can't even tell what she's leaning on. But anyway, her legs are kind of bent. Mm-hmm. You can almost imagine that she's laying down and this was taken from above. Anyway, mm. her legs are kind of bent and she's kind of like laid on her side a little bit to where like mm-hmm. her boobs are kind of uh, point out. But you can only see mm. one boob full frontal and the other one you kind of get like a side. But you can still see mm-hmm. the nipple. Mm-hmm. And she has like her hand up kind of like uh, covering up it's one of her eyes a little bit. It's very sexy. It's very up. sensual. It's pretty good nude art. I mean, nude art is a thing. Mm-hmm. I would say this is a very artsy photo. Very, yeah. very tasteful. It's definitely um, very like that pinup style. Pinups, um, that's a good point. Yeah, that's yes. It was shot in 1949, although it was published in 53. It was shot in the so 40s. So Hef just held on to that and he's like, oh, this chick became real famous. I'm going to. Well, he bought it from someone. Um, and yeah that limited run of the first magazine sold out there were 50,000 copies and it was like I bet it did if it had yeah can you imagine like I mean well we don't have to imagine this happens to celebrities in real life that's exactly what I was gonna say like people jump through hoops and hoops and do illegal shit to get celebrities Mm -hmm. naked photos I just said this happens in real life I meant this happens nowadays (laughs) What happened to Marilyn Monroe was also real life. I didn't even notice. I knew exactly what you meant. 1950s. That wasn't real life. Marilyn Monroe, Monroe doesn't exist. This is all she fiction, is a liberal right? Life myth. began in 1993. Yeah. <laughs> the only life that matters began in 1993. Whew. So to continue this, kind of continuing in the vein of problematic behavior. So as I said, have bought these photos he published the magazine without Marilyn Monroe's consent he you know obviously monetized the magazine never gave any of the proceeds to her and then yeah and he never met her oh really but he yeah but he bought the crypt next to hers in 1992 for seventy five thousand dollars, and that's where his final resting place is so I find that to be really treating her like an object or monument in his success story and not like a person. 
I'm going to describe my face right now, and I feel like it's a, it's a mix <laughs> of being extremely creeped out and just, like, staring off into the distance. That That mm-hmm. is very disturbing. So they never met, like, ever? No. Oh, my God. That's really weird. That's so creepy, sir. That is so yeah. creepy. You do not own this random woman you... Oh, God. That's weird. That you, like, st- bought a picture of. It, sir. Like, it would be one thing if he did all that and then without the grave thing. Yeah, the grave. That's so weird. Yeah. It wasn't next to anybody else. He chose her grave. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. Didn't he have, like, several wives? He did, and I'm going to be talking about yeah, them. I, I got that because the next picture says first wife. I cheated. <laughs> no worries. I'm I going looked. to dive into that. I guess speaking of Hef and his final resting place, I will jump into talking about Hugh Hefner specifically, founder of the magazine. He was born on April 9th, or 1926 in Chicago. Chicago and he yes he was born and raised in Chicago he died on September 27 2017 in Los Angeles California at the Playboy Mansion yeah that's where the mansion is located um that makes sense you know he, I didn't know where it was and I don't know why I didn't just assume LA but anyway well there were two Playboy oh. mansions I will talk about this cool so he Graduated from the University of Illinois after serving in the Army and originally worked for Esquire magazine. I will, like, insert this caveat with some of this information is a lot of sources, like, contradict each other. Um, So I had to, like, fact check a lot of this kind of stuff. But if I say something wrong, then somebody, like, correct me. Send us the meanest email. Like, swear at us. Definitely. Give us all you got. But please let (laughs) us know. You can send an email to, uh, that's... Wait, no, what's it again? That's my interest pod, all one word, at gmail.com. Send us an email. We will check it. Maybe. We will. And I will shed tears. Please don't be mean to me. (laughs) (laughs) He originally married his college sweetheart. This is contradicting information. Some sources say they met in high school. Other sources say they met in college. I'm, I'm thinking it's college. But so he married this woman that he, I believe, met in college. Her name is Millie Williams in 1949. And that's the picture that you see. That's his first wife. He looks like a woman. Talk about the picture. It is a black and white photo of two young people in their, white people in their 20s. Um, Mm -hmm. He's wearing a white suit. She's wearing a wedding dress and a wedding veil and is holding flowers. She's got black hair. I like her bangs. Mm-hmm. Her hair is kind of um, early. Cute. Yeah. I feel like what I'm going to say sounds like problematic, but I would say she looks quite plain. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, like, I... I guess because it's Hugh, it's, you know, Hugh Hefner. I'm like, ooh, he wants all these, like, mm-hmm. sexy women who could be in Playboy because they are in Playboy, but his first mm-hmm. wife just seems like a woman. I don't know. Maybe that was what was hot mm-hmm. back then. I also think, so what I'm about to tell you may have an impact on that. Basically, he married this woman in 1949. So this is the big story between them. She cheated on him. And she told him only days before the wedding. She cheated on him before the wedding? Yeah. So she cheated on him before they even got married. And she didn't tell him until days before the wedding, just a a few days before. He had saved himself for marriage. So, like, he had never had sex with anybody. Yeah. Kinga, like... That's adorable yeah. face. I know. I mean, it was, it was the, it was the, what, 49? It was the, the 40s, yeah. Um, oh but he has said 
that it was the single most devastating moment in his life said it was like the major contributing factor to why the marriage did not work out. They still got married and they did have two children. Oh. The betrayal loomed yeah. over the marriage and yeah. out of guilt, yeah. Millie said to Hef, she gave him permission to also sleep with other people, I guess, like out of some type of like desire to even the score. Mm-hmm. Um, but the that always works, failed. right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Just have an open relationship. If you were in a relationship and your partner has cheated on you, just <laughs> even just, the score. Just have sex with someone else. It's fine. Honestly, it sounds like they just should have been in an open relationship from the start, and everyone would have been fine. Well, to me, it sounds like definitely sounds like they shouldn't have gotten married. That also sounds like that, um, correct. People often attribute Hef's like subsequent lifestyle to this betrayal because they say like Kef himself almost well Hef himself actually hasn't said anything of this nature but like people will say like he because he describes this this moment as like very impactful to him very extremely devastating because he up to this point had led a lifestyle that was very much like in line with the average man of his time period and like he was 22 I think when he got married which is like perfectly normal age for somebody to get married back then he was excited to like start this new life with a woman he loved and he'd never been with anybody before and he assumed that you know she was like on the same page as him he was very very hurt by this and people sometimes say like oh is that a contributing factor what yeah. do you think about this? I mean, obviously, when you said that, when she was like, when you were like, she cheated on him, I was like, oh, does this explain? Did he like, this is what sent him into the lifestyle that he chose? I don't know. I guess we wouldn't know unless he really talked about it, which you said he didn't, and he's dead, so one kind of joking thing I wanted to say, <laughs> not about like that <laughs> specifically because it's serious. But I would, you know, it's very surprising that he didn't have sex until he got married. So he was like 22 yeah. when he lost his virginity, right? So if yeah, there's anyone out there, if you're like, feel like people around you are pressuring you you know you're 20 21 or in high school 18 you're like oh my god i gotta lose my virginity like all these people hugh hefner internationally renowned for yeah probably having a lot of sex serial ladies man did not have sex until he was 22 he saved himself for marriage yes and also so just as a reminder though you don't have to have sex at any time because you can also be asexual and not have sexual desire And that's perfectly normal. Even if you have sexual desires, you don't ever have to have sex. It doesn't prove anything to anyone. You never have to have sex unless you want to. And if you want to, that's fine. Yep. To the story. They got divorced in 1959. So they're actually married for like 10 years. Well. Yeah, they're married for a while. How hard is it? I mean, like, how hard is it to get divorced in the 50s, I wonder? I can't imagine. Um, I'm sure that was really frowned upon. But at that point... He had already started a magazine uh, <laughs> featuring pictures of nude women. That's so true, I'm sure yeah. he like, didn't care yeah. what people thought about him. I guess he truly didn't. That's true. Um, I also feel like the more difficult thing with getting a divorce back then is um, if you're one of the people, spe- specifically the man didn't want to get to the, vor- the divorce. I think if both people wanted to get the divorce, mm-hmm. it was probably easier. Mm-hmm. One fact of note. So he had two kids with her. Uh, their names were David and Christy. And Christy, Christy Hefner ended up being the, I believe she was the CEO of Playboy for many years. Post his death or while he was still alive? I guess he wouldn't have been the CEO. He was old. 
he maintained the title of editor in chief and was the editor in chief like up until I think pretty close to when he died or maybe up until he died. He was still editor in chief, but not CEO. Got divorced in 1959, became a serial ladies man. He claims to have slept with over 1000 women in his life. Um, yeah, you can never trust what a man says about that kind right, of thing. Yeah, I've exactly. slept with and also, a thousand women and my penis is 12 inches long. Many women have come forward and talked about those experiences. So we have some proof. How, uh, what did they say? How was he uh, with the female orgasm? So actually, actually, I, I can't provide a balanced perspective here because all the accounts that I've read were from the time period where Hef was quite old. So like uh, the women's accounts I've read were when Hef was in his 70s and 80s dating, you know, like five to 10 blonde women. And like they would just, what my understanding of his sexual practices were in that time period were that he would like invite a large group of women up to his bedroom every Wednesday night I think it was it was scheduled like weekly he would invite a large group of women up to his bedroom they would play porn on like large video screens and then all the women would take turns having sex with him and then he would finish himself off this is very explicit that is intriguing um, that that is. is what I've read that account from multiple women like telling that same like series of events so that's like that was his drink of choice i guess that is uh intriguing and does not involve sounds like it does not involve a lot of female orgasm women say that i've actually read accounts from women who said some women would literally like be on their phone while they're in the room love it no i don't love it so like obviously that's the least intimate experience ever Yeah, I wonder what it was like when he was younger. I wonder if it was different. Because, I mean, if you're, like, older, you probably just want to lay there and just have some ladies do some stuff to you. Every Wednesday. I mean, every Wednesday. And he also took Viagra, that he was open about that. Basically, when he got divorced, throughout the 60s and 70s, he was this, quote-unquote, ladies' man. He had this public persona, this image of, like, you know, a guy who had various women in his life. However, he did have quite a few notable monogamous relationships. Hef is quoted as saying, although, you know, we, who knows if this is true, but he has said that when he was in his relationships, like he was monogamous and committed to those Hmm. like women, you know, obviously when he wasn't, that's a whole other thing, but um, you know, he's had a lot of high profile, like serious relationships and many people do refer to like Hef as a as a romantic not just a like sexual guy but also interested in like the romantic aspect of a relationship i have a question have there ever been did you read any accounts like do you think all the sex that he had sounded consensual did it sound like he was ever any like super creepy or like assaulted anyone no there has been questionable behavior particularly i read one account where a woman was offered quaaludes by Hef and he said to her, we call these thigh openers. So that's pretty fucked up. 
um, if he's like offering women quaaludes with the idea that it would be easier for him to have sex with them. I, I hear the word. What are quaaludes again? Like, what do they do? I don't necessarily like know what class of drug it is. I my literally my only knowledge of quaaludes is from Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. I didn't watch that. Okay, well, they do quaaludes in that movie, and in the way they show it in the movie, it just kind of slows you down. Okay, so yeah, I just drug. Although, fun mm-hmm. fact about the Wolf of Wall Street. So I was watching. Uh, this is completely unrelated. Mm. I was watching the, there's a Netflix TV show about swear words hosted mm. by Nicolas Cage, which first of all, that's just, that sentence there is crazy. And they do one on fuck on the F word, right? Mm. I don't know why I said fuck and then said the F word. They do one on fuck. And uh, they were like, what actor do you think has said the most, has said fuck the most in movies? And everybody's like, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Um, and the answer is a, is like, it's not a tie, but it's all, almost a tie between Leonardo DiCaprio and who was his co-star? Oh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yes. Because of the Wolf of Wall Street. Because they said fuck so much in that movie yeah. that it like catapulted them both to the top. Like, I don't know what study this was and how accurate it was, but I just thought that was really funny. No, that is funny. They do use the F-bomb so much in that movie. That's a good movie, though. Oh, it is. Leonardo DiCaprio. I do I do love Leonardo DiCaprio, especially a young Leo. Like, Titanic is one of my favorite movies. I don't like a lot of movies. Ooh. Young Leo? Old young Leo? Like, I'll I bet. take you any do you, time! Do you like young Leo? Because I feel like I, I can edit this out if you don't want the world to know, but I feel like you would like old Leo more. Oh, I definitely prefer old Leo. How do you like, feel? I, I, I think young Leo, like Titanic Leo, I... Like when I have memories of like being in elementary school, watching Titanic and thinking, oh, like he's so dreamy. But nowadays, like I look at him and I think, oh, he's a cutie, but like I'm attracted to like, I shouldn't say old Leo because Leonardo, Leo is not old. Isn't he in his fifties? Yeah, but I wouldn't, for me, old would be, I honestly wouldn't say somebody is old until they were at least 65 but i have a higher threshold than other people once you get older are you just gonna start going for older men like when you're 40 you're gonna be like oh yeah that 90 year old is the sexiest (laughs) piece of man i've ever seen so i have wondered about that because i have no issue with admitting that i'm interested (laughs) in older men but i do wonder about that like at what point yeah like with me getting older it's not gonna be like you know i turned 30 in a couple of years and it's like am i you know is it like oh then the threshold is this no. like i, I don't i don't I bet think the, that will be the case but the threshold stays pretty much the same yeah i bet once you're yeah, I, think, I bet once you're 80 you're gonna like younger men you'd be like 50 year old men that's where it's at <laughs> Well, maybe I'll be single when I'm that age because my older husband will have died. Actually, that's true. I mean, if you did marry someone who's several years older than you, he is more likely to die, especially because women live longer. Yes. Okay. Anyways, back to Pat. Throughout the 60s and 70s, he had a variety of girlfriends and um, just women come in and out of his life. But in 
1985, this is a famous event in his life. Mm. Uh, he had a stroke. Oh, sorry, I made that yeah. noise. So he had a stroke. And this is a moment in his life that was kind of a, a turning point for him. It inspired him to want to try to settle down again. And so he married a woman named Kimberly Conrad, who was the Playmate of the Year in 1989. That should be the next picture in the document. At the time that they got married, he was 63. She was 26. They had two sons together. Their names are Marston and Cooper. And I believe that Cooper is the current editor-in-chief, but oh, I'm okay. I was not wondering. entirely sure. I was wondering that um, way too. They got married in 1989, as I said. They separated in 1998, okay. and their divorce was finalized in 2010. Oh, wow. So it took a long time for their divorce to be finalized. She So actually, initially, this is what I've read, when they were divorced or separated, it was an amicable split, mm-hmm. and she lived next door for mm-hmm. a period of time with his sons. Um, And he just, as a part of their, like, agreement, he, like, supported her financially and their sons. But they were separated. They were not together. And I think that the reason the divorce took so long is initially what he says is that Kimberly wanted them to stay married for the kids. But that doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like it has to do with financial reasons. Maybe. Um and child support and things like that when they got divorced in 2010 i think that was the year that one of the sons finally like got turned 18 you know because they were they were quite young those kids are actually quite close in age to us <laughs> yeah I was say, it makes sense yeah <laughs> yeah you can see but as i mentioned before the the image in the document is a picture of the two of them yeah i'm looking at looks like there's some kind of at some kind of formal event not a wedding mm-hmm. she's wearing like this black dress that's got furry shawl mm-hmm. it's really lovely um yeah she has really beautiful blonde hair um mm-hmm. nice and like kind of teased up and she has she also has good mm-hmm. bangs i guess he enjoys a woman with good bangs i'm gonna say something interesting which is i think he's more attractive as a 63 year old man yeah it like in his like first photo where i don't know how old he's in his he's 22 right this looks i mean i believe he's 22 he's he's in his early 20s he doesn't look i don't know he just looks like a white dude i don't know <laughs> yeah um but yeah. as a like uh this what 63 year old man he's like pretty good looking dude um he's got he's got quite the fucking chin like that's like a, he's mm. got a strong chin i bet he's you think he's wearing a toupee that's a good question. He might be wearing a toupee. But uh, yeah, he, he cleaned up well. He looks he looks pretty good. This is also so interesting because I feel like my image of Hef, you know, is that like, I was born in 93. So whenever I became aware of him, he was old. Like, he was like mm-hmm. 70 by the time I was aware that maybe he existed. Mm-hmm. And so I just think of him as this creepy old guy living in a mansion mm-hmm. with all these like women. And like, that definitely adds to the creep factor of like feelings yeah. I have about him. And I mean, looking through this... I obviously don't think he's uncreepy, but, like, he just mm-hmm. seems like a dude now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is, um, I think I totally understand where you're coming from because I was in the exact same situation as you. When I even came to know of Hef's existence, he was, like, 80 years old. Yeah. So yeah. I have only ever known him in my lifetime as, you know, a super old person. <laughs> obviously he lived a whole life before 
um, you or I was ever born. Yeah. Um, or were ever born. Yeah, we are the same person. That's why um, she used a was. Yes, yes, we are one. <laughs> this is actually but just anyways, one person talking into the mirror with um, yeah, just different voices. <laughs> that reminds me of like the meme during quarantine where PM rolls around like cheers to myself and it's like a person like with a glass in the mirror like <laughs> oh god oh my god actually i was gonna say this is more of like a um voldemort professor quarrels quarrel situation where um one of us is just on the head of the other back yes. at, like is becky rebecca is just like her face is on the back of my head so uh, that's yeah. disturbing and you all can think about that think about that before you go to bed tonight Third and final wife, if you scroll down. Oh, and another wife? Third. I did not expect that. I was like, second wife, this must yeah. be it. He's already old. Quite a bit older in the next picture. All um, right, Crystal Harris and half 2012. Oh, God, this is like five yes. years before he dies. Yeah, so his third wife's name was Crystal Harris. They began dating in 2009. This is interesting. So they were supposed to be married in 2011. But Crystal called off the wedding five days before it was supposed to have happened. And she called it off. They broke up. She moved out of the mansion. She kind of like publicly slandered him and <laughs> talked about how she wasn't attracted to him. And like all of this stuff, I don't know how she managed it, but they reconciled in 2012 and got married. Drama. So- drama but yeah they were together until his death in 2017 yeah that was his third third and final wife prior to crystal though so in between kimberly conrad and crystal in the early 2000s he was doing the thing that you and i most know him for which was his kind of harem of blonde women is that where Um, we get the show um girls next door Yes, and I'm not sure if that's... Yes, that's the next photo. So the next photo is the three stars of the TV series, which I have mentioned in this podcast before, The Girls Next Door. I would love to describe this photo. I Um, would love for you to take it away. I don't know where to begin. All right, so they're laying on what looks like grass. I don't think it's really grass, but it's supposed to be grass. And then there's kind of like these little daisy flowers kind of thrown around it. And then Mm -hmm. there's three women kind of posed in a circle where one woman is laying on her back and then another woman mm-hmm. is laying on the chest of that woman and then the third woman is kind of laying on the shoulders of both those other woman women. Looks so uncomfortable. And there's a Pomeranian in the corner. Oh, and I didn't even see that black dog. There's a black furry dog, which honestly <laughs> just looks like like a hole with a face. Like, you just can't see it very well. And then there's another dog that one of the women is holding that I cannot identify. Some kind of like terrier. Now, yes. their clothing. Uh, lots of cleavage, Oof. a lot of boob jobs, Oof. I think. I definitely, All these women look like they had a boob, boob jobs, which makes sense. One of them hasn't, but. Oh, is it the one that's on the about... bottom? Why well, they're hiding her boobs? Their hair. <laughs> oh, God, I really like the hair of the, the woman on the bottom. She's got like a kind of a 1950s, like, kind of like. Her hair's just really The high. one with the green top? With the. No, not with the light green top. The light green top. Oh, yeah, that's Bridget. If you Bridget... were to watch the show. 100% you would like Bridget the best. I know it. I know is, you would. Is she like from it. Texas? She's not from Texas, but she's from a small town. Mm. She's got a master's degree. Cool. 
she's really like down to earth and sweet i love bridget yeah but um yeah these are three i mean attractive attractive women um yeah they're definitely uh, you can definitely tell that Hef has a type which i mean mm-hmm. i guess you can from you should know kind of the blonde bleach blonde white women did he only did he only were there only white women involved in this no actually that <laughs> is one way in which um playboy was progressive like for its time they okay. did feature black playmates and playmates of like other ethnicities other and races and yeah so it was um that was a way in which Hef was um pretty pretty progressive their names are holly bridget and kendra they were a part of the show the girls next door which aired on the e network in the mid 2000s um holly which is the girl in the photo who has the white top and yellow skirt she was considered the main girlfriend meaning she shared a bedroom with hef and that was kind of his primary relationship she many times throughout the show talked about how much she loved Hef, how she wanted them to be married. She wanted to have kids with Hef and spend the rest of his life with him. They ultimately ended up breaking up and she released a book about Hmm. like her experience in the mansion. I read the book and I got the book signed by her. Oh my God. (laughs) Really? Like you? Yeah. I went to her signing. Yeah, I have a picture of it, too. I should post it on the gram. You should. That is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I she is like even more beautiful in person. It's unreal. Like very interesting book. She has a very interesting take on uh, the mansion and half and all that stuff. But I'm going to ask, I mean, like these women that, you know, dated him um, and, you know, the few the two that married him when he was older like do you think they they genuinely like were into him and attracted to him and like it was for the money or like do you think it was a combination so i think my from what i've read and what i've seen in the show and everything like that is that um i think it's a combination of factors i don't think any of the women would have been there if there weren't there wasn't something to gain that makes sense that makes sense like at all um and transparently the women who were his girlfriends that lived in the mansion um were paid like he gave them a monthly like stipend because he didn't want them to work because he had like very strict guidelines as to like what they could do he had curfews um it is so weird but the thing is it's like it's it's like a dad (laughs) <laughs> no, it it is, and it's it's very much so a transactional relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. like he paid for them to get plastic surgery. Yeah, that makes sense. He paid for them to get uh get cars and other things like that. And he obviously they lived in the mansion rent free. Yeah. But you know the trade off is he yeah. has all of these you know his, pretty his pretty rules. strict rules. Um, I mean yeah. they knew what and also into. no. And also, too, as you can imagine, like, Hef, you know, is from a completely gener- different generation. So, like, definitely a bit sexist and, well, more than a bit. And, um, like, a lot of these women do share stories of, like, hurtful things that he has said and done. But 
as I mentioned, I mean, this is a touchy topic, but like it is a, it is a transactional relationship. Um, but, but I will say as well, uh, many women talk about how, and, and just people in general talk about how like they, they really did come to care for Hef as a person that they, you know, like enjoyed his company and things like that and appreciated all of the opportunities that like came their way and things that he did for them. Kendra, which is the girl in the photo with the green top, she was the youngest of the three. And she says many times throughout the show, and I think even afterwards, um, that Hef saved her life because she was um, like on drugs before she came to the mansion. Mm -hmm. And like Hef has very strict rules about, you know, you're not permitted or allowed to do drugs or anything like that and so it kind of like the women are to some extent like in a safe environment and that like they go to these like exclusive parties and yes they drink and things like that but like in terms of some of the consequences of risk-taking behavior such as like being drugged or getting involved in drugs like potentially being sexually assaulted obviously like I guess that could still happen, but if you're in this supposed relationship with Hef, like obviously he's doesn't want you to have sex with other people and you're not supposed to have sex with other people. Some of those situations are kind of avoided, I guess you could say, minimized. When he had multiple girlfriends, he didn't want them to have sex with other men. Yeah. Such a such a man thing. That is such a like stereotypical like crappy man thing through the years like you know like all throughout like history men have like cheated and they're like women are like fine with it but like if the woman cheat no 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 yeah yeah i mean i wonder if the reason for that i'm thinking like for example like british royals would like or all Mm -hmm. like european royals the kings and nobles men would always cheat and i wonder if the idea Mm -hmm. of that is that whatever baby came out of that woman they really wanted to make sure it was their baby because they needed an heir it's mm, wrong, but yeah. I just wonder if that was one of the logic, some of the logic behind it. I I think there's definitely merit to that. That's kind of some of the experiences that I've read about with the women that he dated. His relationship with Holly, though, was very high profile and very, like, the public was very aware of it because she did just, if you ever watch the show, she goes on about how much she loves him. Okay. And it really does seem like, like there's genuine feeling there. She goes on later to talk about how she felt the specific wording she uses is she says she felt branded by her decision to move into the mansion. And so she felt like it was a decision she couldn't escape from. Mm. So she felt like she had to embrace it because she had no other choice that forever. If she were to leave, she would always be associated with Playboy and always never be able to to move on from it so she felt very like pressured and like stigmatized i guess so it's a touchy situation but as i have stated many times these are transactional relationships that makes sense okay (laughs) a few other major like hallmarks of playboy i'll touch upon before i talk about my final piece uh for one the playboy mansion yes which is the next photo I'll tell you a little bit about it and then maybe you can describe the photo. Playboy Mansion was the home of Hugh Hefner from 1974 to his death in 2017. It was located in Holmby Hills, which is near Beverly Hills, so LA. 
His girlfriend at the time, Barbie Benton, convinced him to buy it. It became famous and iconic, have hosted lavish parties attended by celebrities, etc. It is now owned by an investor and used for corporate events. But the original mansion was located in Chicago. Like some people within the know will refer to that as Playboy Mansion East and then Playboy Mansion West is the one in California. But I've included pictures of both. The first picture is of the original Playboy Mansion or the Playboy Mansion West. And then the next picture is of the original mansion. So the first one, the Playboy Mansion, is the one that he was in from the 70s until his death. Yes. All right. Yeah. So this one is a mansion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is a large house. It's kind of gray roof, um, mm-hmm. kind of a white stone walls. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a castle turrety bit that's kind of nice. There is a expensive mm-hmm. looking car por- parked out front. It is a white convertible. I do not mm-hmm. know anything about cars, so I cannot tell you what kind of car it is. And uh, there's a fountain. Um, yeah, on the type of car thing, I never understood in those police reports. It's like, I saw a guy in a, in a 92 Corolla. I was like, do people know what that is? Do you just, like, see some guy leaving a scene of a crime? You're like, that guy's in a 94 Toyota Camry. I don't know if they made those in 94. But, like, (laughs) anyway, just a side note of something that came into my brain. I relate. Yes, sorry, that's the first photo. And then if we scroll back down Mm -hmm. to the original OG mansion in Chicago. Yes. This place is not as nice looking to me. It kind of looks like a school Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it does it doesn't look like a home a red brick building there are windows yeah. like spaced across one two three four five six seven windows on like the mm-hmm. second floor and then like seven mm-hmm. windows on the bottom and it kind of just looks like yeah it'd be a school or an official building especially with like how i guess spaced out evenly spaced out the windows are i think is what makes it look mm-hmm. like an official building to me because it you don't see that as much in homes in this way no i agree with you it does look Kind of like a school building. The most Um, homey part of it is I think there's about three or four chimneys on the top. Yeah, there's four chimneys on the top. The joke apparently at the time was apparently there is a rooftop pool in this Playboy Mansion, the original one in Chicago. And there's a hotel right next to that (laughs) mansion. And so like the joke was that the hotel was charging more for rooms on that side of the building because you have a view of the rooftop pool at the Playboy Mansion and like watch the girls or whatever. But anyways, that's just a a joke. Um, Cool. (laughs) If you scroll down, there is a picture of Barbie Benton, which was the girlfriend who persuaded him to buy the Playboy Mansion. And she is, she was a, like long-term girlfriend that he had in the 70s she also did country music and was on a show (laughs) called hee-haw hee-haw that sounds familiar Mm. maybe i'm just thinking of the donkeys in my backyard but um (laughs) a picture of her she has quite a look i think she's gorgeous very 70s again bangs Mm -hmm. bangs man likes bangs y'all banging banging um she is wearing a white glove that's what, oh, is it is it meant to look like a bunny? Doesn't it look like the bunny? It looks like the bunny, yeah. But she's wearing a white glove that I can't tell. I don't even think her fingers are in that. But like the two fingers are kind of splayed I, out. I think that the fingers are actually bunny ears. Oh, it's just bunny. She's wearing gloves that have bunny ears on them. 
That makes mm-hmm. so much more sense. And she's wearing a, like a red sweater that is very low cut. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and she's a brunette. Yes. Long, straight, dark brown hair. The next photo down, if you scroll down, is a picture from uh-huh. a Playboy club in Detroit in 1963. As you can see, there are women of all different racial backgrounds in this picture, which is cool. Oh, yeah, you can't they yeah. have different, you know, different types of women, I guess you could say. Hmm. There were a series of Playboy clubs. Um, okay. Yeah, that were open and running for a while, which had Playboy bunnies, which are the women that you see here. So what did they do? Oh, let me describe the photo. So this is the photo of a club, as we said, a Playboy club. There's mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five women dressed mm-hmm. in Playboy bunny outfits, which are uh, these kind of like, um, what do you call those? A leotard? Yeah. Leotard that uh, doesn't have any straps. It's like a mm-hmm. strapless. So you get cleavage, but they're wearing um, like around their neck. It's like a little bow tie cuff. I think there's mm-hmm. a word for that, but I don't know. It's very cute. Yeah. And they have ears and cute little puffy tails. And as you said, there are women of different races. There's white women. That's definitely an Asian American woman mm-hmm. to the left. Would that maybe a black woman? I think so. Yeah. Um, And they're standing on some stairs. Two of them are kind of holding a serving tray so yeah what did the playboy clubs do what did the girls do what did the women playboy women do in those clubs so the interesting thing about the playboy clubs is that a lot of people use the term like playmate playboy bunny a bunny they use it all like interchangeably but there are distinct Mm. things within like the playboy nomenclature playboy bunnies are specifically women who worked at the clubs. Oh, okay. I don't know if any clubs are still open, but there used to be clubs all over the world. These bunnies would wear these, like, bunny costumes, which are only permitted to be worn by the bunnies. And the bunnies had very specific, like, ways in which they're supposed to serve and entertain their guests. They had things, like, called... The bunny dip, for example, women had to dip at a certain angle when they're serving drinks. They um, weren't allowed to sit. You're not allowed to sit in the bunny costume. It's just, it's just um, American, it's American work stuff. You can't sit down. Yeah. <laughs> so like women have often described like being a bunny is, is very like physically taxing because, mm. you know, the outfit itself is extremely form fitting. Looks very and, uncomfortable. I like. Yeah. I hate, like, I don't want to wear a strapless bra any time mm-hmm. of the day, especially not mm-hmm. when I'm serving people. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to wear a bra with straps, actually. Ugh, amen to that. But these uh, women would also, like, they would stick tube socks or some other type of <laughs> thing, like, Under the underneath bra. their or, boobs yeah. to, like, push them yeah. up. And, you know, it's it's just very, it's very uncomfortable um and obviously you're on your feet and you're speaking with people and serving people and you have all these like rules you're supposed to follow as a bunny but these clubs were very successful they actually opened one in vegas during the girls next door series um like the the running of the series that club has since closed but um that was a big plot point in so they were just it was kind of like they were just servers. Um, like, okay, it wasn't like a strip club Dubai. or anything like that. No, no. It's kind of um, like... Playboy like, is very, like, 
very big on kind of like towing the line, like going yeah. up to the line, but sense. never crossing over. Trying to be classy. Yeah. It's yeah. like, so is it kind of like, it's like a fancy Hooters? Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I've learned about the Playboy clubs has kind of like led me to that conclusion. <laughs> okay. Fancy Hooters. Cool. Yes. Um, have you ever been to a Hooters? No. Have you? No. I wonder if they're, I hear the chicken. should go. Good. I read Playboy for the articles and I go to Hooters for the chicken. Yep. <laughs> but actually, I feel like going to Hooters would be great, like, because, like, the women are probably, like, used to, like, guys, like, leering at them and creepy. And I feel like when there's, like, women, they're probably like, whoa! I mean, because even if you're women who like women, you're not as creepy about it. They'd be like, hey, yeah. girls, what's up? And we tip them well. We'd have a great time. Let's mm-hmm. go to Hooters next time. We're let's, in America let's together. Let's go to Hooters. Let's, <laughs> when the pandemic is over, you and me are going to Hooters. No, there's, um, a rumor about Hooters. I don't know if it's true, but, like, in order to get hired, you have to stand up against oh, yeah. like to the wall we are toes to the wall and if your, your boobs have to touch the wall in order for you to be hired it's probably there's would, probably some gross hired there there are probably some gross hiring practices i don't know if that's the one though. although um so a lot of women um who have posed in playboy have also worked at hooters like holly his main girlfriend for all those years worked at hooters yeah, um and there are a couple sense. other girls in the series who worked at hooters she said the like she used to hula hoop on the on the tables what the at hooters yeah i don't yeah, i've never crazy. been so. what the fuck is happening oh, in a hooters like, i want a hula hoop on right? a table you've been to hooters write us in let us know what it's like and also how especially if you've worked it's so funny there. that you don't I, for, I like forgot that you don't, you were vegetarian there i'm gonna make you go to hooters and eat chicken i'm sure they have vegetarian i'll stuff. eat french fries yeah there you go <laughs> um but okay so kind of like a final part of this discussion that i wanted to have is talking about why or how playboy and playboy magazine was influential yeah, um i was interested in that when you kind of sneaked it sneak peeked it at the beginning mm-hmm. um so these are quotes from a an article that I read um, and I will like, I will post about it on social media or whatever. But, um, and I, I, some of these quotes I will just read directly because I think the author said it best. Um, But basically, Hef brought sexuality to the average middle-class American. And his vision was to make discussions of sex and, um, nude pictorials respectable to bring them out of the proverbial gutter and onto the coffee tables of middle-class Americans. So he paired sexuality with the various other interests he imagined that a hip urban man might desire. Jazz music, highbrow fiction, fashion, decorating, and cooking tips. And by the 1960s, progressive politics and cutting-edge interviews. Hep did not just promote hedonistic sex, but supported loving, committed relationships. Over and over, readers were told that mutual respect and dignity were crucial to mature, loving relationships. Both men and women were steered away from infidelity. Men were told that they needed to take responsibility for unplanned pregnancies. Women were told that their sexual needs were as important as their partners. When it came to the Playmates, the women featured in the magazine, it wasn't their nudity that made them so iconic. Hef created a formulaic look that stood apart from the existing sex magazines of the time which tended to be degrading, cheap, and shaming. In those brown bag publications, nude pictures were of nameless, thoroughly 
really objectified women with vacant eyes, bodies to be consumed, but have portrayed the models as real human beings in recognizable settings, such as getting ready for work and included biographical sketches and secondary photos that showed them in their daily lives. Um, however, people who push back say that Hef was a chauvinist who exploited young women for his own sexual and financial gain. They pointed to the nudes as evidence of the ways in which Playboy prioritized mostly white male heterosexual power and privilege. The Playmates in this way seem to say that women are only as valuable as their sexual attractiveness to men. And I thought um, this quote really summarized kind of um, how I feel, but she said, in the late 20th century, the centerfold seemed like a throwback to a more sexist time. But in the early influential years of Hefner's empire, his vision of the sexy girl next door helped modernize American sexual culture. Hmm. So I think that my thoughts around the magazine and Playboy in general is that it's both. Yeah, so, I was going to say, it sounds like it's both. Yeah. For its time, I think it was forward thinking. I think it was progressive. Um, but I also think it was exploitative. Mm -hmm. And I do think that it, a lot of it had to do with, as that quote said, like women, women are only valuable only so far as their attractiveness to men and viewing them through the male gaze. But I really do think it's both, but I'm curious to know yeah. what you think. Yeah, it sounds like it's both. I mean, it sounds like all of those were good points about it opening up, I guess, like, sexuality, at least for, like, straight people. Mm -hmm. um, I guess straight middle-class people. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, that has value, and I think that that's good, a good thing. And I do, and the point of they do give the women identities, they have names, they have, like, a story, they can, like, talk about some of their own thoughts. Is It is something, mm -hmm. right? That is better than just them being nameless women who you're just there to look at a photo of. That's that's true. Mm -hmm. That is true. Um, but I think also, A, it does, even though they say that, you know, I guess some of the articles and stuff did try to um, say that women also, you know, have a play, uh, a voice, I guess, in the bedroom and their desires also matter too. Um, it does seem like it's mostly targeted towards men. And mm. towards what men want to see. And I definitely agree with that quote of, yeah, I think it definitely stuck with the same vibe for too long, maybe. And by the time, like, we were aware of Playboy, it definitely had outlived its prime. And it was kind of a, I mean, I guess it's still around. It, it, now it's kind of a vestige of a, um, of a previous era. One thing I will say, I totally agree with what you're saying. One thing that is interesting is I took a peek at the Playboy website to see like, yeah, what is Playboy like now? And it is quite progressive. Last okay. year they had play, they had a playmate that was um, like, what's the word? She had a um, like a I don't I don't know what the right like word is, like a physical handicap. She she basically she had one of the a prosthetic leg. That's the word. So they had a model with a prosthetic leg. Um, they had like 
nearly all of the playmates were like different from different backgrounds, different races. Um, they had a playmate recently with a shaved head. Mm. They are starting to feature like, okay. you know, different women. They had a, a, uh, not like a plus size, but like not a straight size. Oh, yeah, I was like going to ask about their bigger. sizes because I felt like that's probably one of the last things that's going to because it's like we were talking about with The Bachelor uh, when we were texting, like The Bachelor just always does mm-hmm. tiny women, not even like yes. medium size, but like yeah. tiny women. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say is I did read a and it's been a while since I read this article, so I need to fact check it. But I read an article once that talked about how it's interesting. It related, it showed the correlation between the, um, like weights or like sizes of playboy models and like (laughs) economic recessions and periods of growth. And it said in, in difficult economic times, statistically playmates were, uh, bigger. Yeah. That makes sense. In times of economic boom, they were smaller, which I just think is funny. That is funny. I wonder what the like difference was though. It's like, 10 pounds <laughs> yeah it's probably like like nothing but actually um anna nicole was although nowhere near plus she was like a i guess you could say like healthy sized woman and you can look up all of these women have their like height weight bust everything listed yeah. online that woman that half married in the 80s kimberly she was quite tall she's five foot nine it's kind of tall I think half is only like five foot seven. So, oh, <laughs> really? Is that short? I I wonder how tall he was. He looked shorter than her, didn't he? I don't want to. I don't remember to spread uh, disinformation about or m- disinformation misinformation about his height. So let me fact check this. Oh, he's five foot nine. Just kidding. I mean, that's not crazy that's like tall average. for a guy. Yes. I think that's like average. I guess so, yeah. That's about average. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yes, that is, that sort of brings us to the end of the discussion I wanted to have. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, well, I came in with not that much knowledge about. Playboy, and I learned a lot. I do have a little bit more respect for it. Mm. Um, in that I can see that it had some effect on the sexual revolution, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Hef is still a little creepy, but maybe a little less mm-hmm. creepy. He had a life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think the most important thing that I learned and that's interesting is that like my perspective of Playboy, because as I became aware of it, Hef was old. It was like the 2000s. Um, and mm-hmm. that's very different than like it had, you know, a 50 year history before that. And I didn't take that into account. And also I became aware of Playboy when I was being raised by like, uh, Southern Baptists who can be a bit pure mm-hmm. about sexuality and stuff. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that they had a lot of opinions about it that affected opinions that I have about it. Um, yeah. Mm hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say. I learned some uh, interesting things about it. Yeah. I am glad that we could learn today and have this discussion. And I certainly don't want to seem like I 
advocate one way or another in terms of like whether or not I think Playboy is a good or bad thing. I think, um, as I stated before, like I think it is many things and I think it's served a purpose in its time. I think it's very iconic. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely iconic. And I think at this point, it's fair to say that the pictures that appear in the magazine online are very tame and yeah. more akin to nude art than uh, pornography when comparing it to what is available online. <laughs> That's true. Although the the like live action porn they make. That I don't. It's different. I don't remember it in as much detail. I definitely think it's less gritty than some of the stuff you find online, but it is porn. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that reminded me of something that I have now forgotten about Playboy. Oh, I know what it is. So, yeah, and I guess one of these things is, like, obviously, like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with porn or making nude photos. But I think one of the things with Playboy that I don't like is that it seems like there's a lot of men in mm. positions of power who are making the decisions. Yeah. And, like, what I want is for the women whose bodies are being, you know, like, shown mm-hmm. to have autonomy over that and to, like, mm-hmm. get money for that and maybe have control of it more. And I guess that would be mm-hmm. my problem with it is it seems like it's a big industry thing. And even now – but you did say the CEO is one of his daughters, right? She was. She no longer no. is. Or was she CEO or editor-in-chief? I think she was CEO. But go on. And her son was – or his son is editor-in-chief, right? But yeah, I guess that's just yeah, the he's thing. he's not if, CEO. If there's, like, too many men, like, if it's only men or, like, 90% men who are making the decisions about what to do with these photos and all mm-hmm. this stuff, I just – I feel like I want more women, especially the women who are being photographed, to be more involved in the process and have their voice heard. And I just – I wonder – I just don't know how much that's happening in a system like this. No, definitely. Um, and I just looked it up to confirm. So Cooper is not the editor in chief. He is the chief creative officer. Did like editor in chief just die when Hef died? Do you think he That's did that? That's a good question. <laughs> Who is the current editor in chief at Playboy? Editor in chief, Playboy magazine. Um, the heck. So, Hef pops up, but obviously he is dead. So I bet he took it. I think he took it with him to his death. That's what I think it was. He was like, "Only me, forever." Maybe. Maybe he's very, very passionate about like the Playboy image and brand and all of those things. Obviously, he created it. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, thank you for tuning in, listeners. Thank you, Megan, for talking about this with me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thanks for bringing this to me and giving me um spooky little hints to not guess Playboy. <laughs> I always like to try to guess what it is. Probably never will, but it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. So that was really interesting. Thank you for bringing all that information to us to the table absolutely yeah all right and so with that are we gonna end this thing i think this has been tmi that's my interest yes it has thank you for listening thanks for listening and we'll see you next time bye